When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. My name is Travis, got my brother Quentin here as always, and today we are talking about one of the biggest, most well-known, most influential electronic groups of all time. And if you didn't recognize that song that played us in, we're talking about Daft Punk today. The two guys with helmets, as you probably know them. The two two robot boys. The two, exactly. You know, I I didn't look this up, but there's so many artists that that do that now, right? Like, uh, what's his name? Marshmallow, right? And Dead Dead Mouse. Mouse. I would, I would. I would bet that Daft Punk was one of the first to do it. Um, You're probably right. Yeah, and I know I know for a fact that, you know, trying to conceal their identities has been important to them almost since the beginning. Like, there's early interviews where they didn't wear any masks, right? But before they got the helmets, they would just wear, like, random, like, masks that you pick up at a costume shop or something. So, like, they've always been doing this. Because, you know, they wanted the music to to, to sort of speak for itself like you don't really you know much like you know with rock bands and stuff it's all about the the persona you know of like the lead singer and stuff like that you know what i mean with electronic music they didn't they didn't want their identities to be to be part of it you know well i like that too because you know these kind of artists if you see them live they're going to be standing still above you know behind their their keyboard and their and their laptops or whatever you know the their appearance, you know, and their personality doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, people don't go to a Daft Punk show to to watch them. You know, they go to dance. Right. That's exactly and to right. Get lost, to get lost in the music. Exactly. And, like, that's the opposite of a rock band, right? You're going to see the singer sing. Yeah, and you're going to see the guitar player, you know, shredding those licks. Exactly. So, anyway, um, Daft Punk... This is one of those groups that uh, you know we don't have to to give you 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 much information about these guys, right? 
Um, I will give you a little bit of, so, okay. First off, we are talking about their very first record today. Um, it's called homework and this was before they had the helmets. So this came out in 1997. This was their first full length album. Basically, I'll just give you a little bit of history on what led to them to this point, and then, and then we'll just dive right into the tunes. This is going to be, uh, I don't want to say tune heavy, because I only have like three songs, but we're going to get right to the tunes. We're not going to mess around here. So Daft Punk, it's a duo from Paris, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to pronounce these correctly, okay, because the first guy's name, it's like, it's a doozy. <laughs> His name is Guy Manuel de Homem Cristo. Uh, wow. <laughs> I got to say that again. Dude, no, no, no. You just blew me out of the, out of the water, bro. That sounded beautiful. Okay. I, I thought I put a little extra cheese on it. <laughs> Maybe you did, but that was that was well received. Okay. All right, fine. I'm a, dude, I'm going to spread that cheese. All right. Spread it. Spread it on them crackers. Uh, well, I know for a fact that I've been mispronouncing this guy's name incorrectly. Because, you know, they're they're French. You say it differently. I would say Thomas Bangalter. Like an American prick. <laughs> I watched <laughs> what, it. Is it Tom, Tomas? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Tomas Bangalter. 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 Something like that. Anyway, Whatever, you know, dude. this is a running joke on this podcast. You know what I mean? We're just, we're just a couple, you know, Texas good old boys. Silly Americans. All right. Um, anyway, those are the two guys. Um, you know, dude, yeah, I bet Guy is Guy or some shit. That's what I said. I said that, right? I said Guy Manuel. You, oh. Thank you very much. That's why you were so amazed. I told you. Put that cheese on it. No, it was it was the 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 last oh, name that, the that really Oman, gave, Oman, gave me the goosebumps. Oman Cristo. <laughs> Game of, game of the Goose. Yeah, I'm telling you, I'm not pronouncing that right. I, anyway, those are the two guys. <laughs> so I got to know. Um, but, you know, for the most part, I bet you most people don't have no clue what their names are, you know, because, again, it's not that's not part of, of, of what of what they're about. You know, that's why they wear the helmets. It's not about the two guys. It's about the music that they're making. Anyway, um, so kind of an interesting background here with what led them to record homework their first record so basically they put out two two singles that that blew up one of them was called the new wave and the other one was defunct which is the song that played us in and by blew up i mean like they sold quite a bit like fifteen thousand copies or something like that it got so much popularity that it is rumored although i, I would i would guess it's 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 pretty pretty accurate that um what are those guys that did, they did the fight club soundtrack chemical brothers, the chemical brothers started like incorporating it, incorporating it into their sets. Right. So massive popularity. And then basically this started like a bidding war between record labels. Right. So anyway, um, they got signed by Virgin records and that's that they started making homework and what's interesting about this record is that number one, they were both 22 years old when they made it. And when you hear how like masterful their, their like handle on electronic music and then the way they were able to incorporate 
all these different genres and all these different past electronic styles into their music. It really is pretty amazing. It, it kind of reminds me of, we talked about the guys from Chemist that, that do metal band, right? And how like, oh yeah, they were, they're, they're students of metal, right? Like they're really right. young guys. They know so much about the history of metal and that's basically what they do is incorporate all these different, you know, milestones in metal. They, they put it into their music, right? Same thing with Daft Punk. And that's one of the reasons they call this record homework is because that's kind of what they felt like. It's they're doing their homework, you know? Mm, nice. So anyway, um, there's a really cool magazine cover too. And on Wikipedia. Oh yeah. It's, it, it's, uh, an August 97, magazine it's called mix mag i guess it's probably just an electronic music magazine and yeah they're wearing like you said before they they had the yeah made those robot masks yeah they've just got two like it almost looks like the karate kid no not the karate kid remember the three ninjas yeah that uh that movie from the 90s kind of looks like those like devil looking masks yep it's pretty cool maybe we'll post it on our uh on our show notes that's right that's that's right when when this record came out in 1997 so i got a quote here really quickly and this is from uh, Thomas Bengaltar, in 1995, this is before they put out homework. Basically, he, they're reacting to and are getting interviewed um, with regard to like the success that they got from those two singles, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought this was really cool. He says, we have received faxes from Denmark, Sweden, Spain, Japan, New York City. So it's very funny, but also really shows that there are people who are interested in this music everywhere. And by making things in our bedroom, we can reach people to the other end of the earth. So there you go. Uh, another, you know, project that started in the bedroom, right? That that seems to be kind of a theme with these electronic artists that we've talked about. One of the great things about electronic music is that literally anybody can make it, right? Yeah. And you can do it from your, your bedroom. You can be just one person in a bedroom and you can... You can do stuff like Tycho did. You can do stuff like Com Trues did. It's dude. I'm reminded of maybe my favorite line of yours, Trev, and this uh, and the the run of the show when we were talking about hip hop and rap. Like I'm I'm honored. <laughs> you know the the barrier to entry is just so low. You know anyone can do this. I mean, um, and that's the thing. I mean, for we talk about rap music, like that's even lower because literally all you need is your voice. You know. And you can. You need your voice, but you need a you know a, an ear for yes, yes for music and rhyming sure, and stuff. Sure. But yeah, yeah, all you need is your voice there. Right. You, you need a you need a keyboard and a, a laptop. You know. Yeah. Uh, a decent keyboard and laptop to that's your your barrier there to to get into into electronic music. But yeah, still it, it is something you can do in your bedroom. Um, or as as is made very apparent on this record, especially. All you really need is like a Roland 808 or a Roland 909, which is what they used. Um, you know, the 808 is a very famous like synthesizer piece of equipment that was, you know, pretty much like responsible for electronic music in the in the 80s, basically. And the 909 yeah. is like the su- successor to it. Like I said, very apparent on this episode or on this record, so much so that there's a track called Revolution 909, which is actually a single off of this record that sort of pays homage to people who are making electronic music. Basically there was like this, this um, sort of like this ban on um, 
like the French government had like a they're they're trying to shut down these electronic music clubs basically. And Revolution 909 is basically about you know these underground electronic clubs and stuff like that that would play electronic music and would get shut down by cops and all this kind of stuff, right? Anyway, so let's jump right into it here. I'm actually going to do something a little bit different. We we try to play songs in the order that they show up on the record, but I'm going to kind of mix it up a little bit here um, because I want to end on one particular song. But anyway, we're going to play. And here's something else that, that you got to know about this record. They composed each of these tracks, not as if they were putting together like a sequential piece of like, like a, like a whole, you know what I mean? A lot of these songs are made for the, for the, the set list or like for the, the live performance. Right. And so, okay. you know, when you hear some of these yeah, songs, cause, like cause track, track two is, is almost like a, a radio spot, you know, it's 28 seconds. Yeah. Well, the name of the song is WDPK 83.7 FM. Well, you know, what's funny about it's, that, dude, I didn't even fucking realize this until right now. What? And I wonder, probably not. But it kind of it kind of reminds me of the Queens of the Stone Age record mm-hmm. because it's a it's a I don't know if it's a fictional radio station, but they yeah. talk about in that little clip and let's just play it, dude. It's twenty eight seconds. Let's play that real quick. Okay. Now cool. it bleeds good. into Revolution nine oh nine, so I think it's part of that story that they're trying to tell with Revolution nine oh nine. But let's just listen to it anyway. So there's a lot of speculation that that's um, that's one of the two members like saying that into the microphone. It, you know. it sounded very French. Yes. Anyway, um, so that, yeah, that was track two. It's called WDPK 83.7 FM. That's track two on the record. 28 seconds long. All right. Anyway. Um, Which track is it on the record and what's the name of it? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so like I was saying, you'll notice on, on some of these tracks that they have like this really long sort of runway in the beginning right and that's because you know how these these djs these electronic musicians when you're doing a live set you 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 give that that long runway if you will because you might be blending it with the last you know 30 seconds of the song that you just played before and you're blending yeah it, it gives you time to like match tempo exactly. and stuff before you before you bleed into the next song yep, exactly all right so this very first track that we're doing it's called High Fidelity. And what you're gonna you're gonna hear a vocal sample on this record. And what it is is um, a Billy Joel song, which is interesting, right? So it's a Billy Joel song called Just the Way You Are. Uh, mm, which I love is, that song. Well they do you? Yeah, it's a great song. Okay, yeah. It's a it's a very famous Billy Joel song. It's off of his uh his record um Fifty Second Street? Oh, it's on the Stranger. Yeah, it's off. Of, it's off his record, The Stranger, which came out in what? what nineteen seventy-seven. I got you, brother. Came out in nineteen seventy-seven. So, and this is going to be part of our discussion here because I've always thought it's interesting. Why do bands choose? Like, why did Daft Punk, two French electronic musicians, 
decide to sample in a Billy Joel track. Anyway, we'll talk about that when we when we get back from the clip here. But here we go. This is again. This is track number ten called High Fidelity. I found this really helpful article, really, really good article that Consequence of Sound put out. They literally go track by track. The name of the article is called The Past, Present, and Future of Daft Punk's Homework. So basically the case they're making, and they're not the only one that make this case, but basically this record is 
you can listen to every track and 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 pick up on influences that they pulled from the past and then how they influenced artists that came after them. So basically, and it's going to be apparent on on the last song that we played, but with High Fidelity, this track that we just played, it wasn't that like chopping up samples was something that had never been done before, but not to like the extent that they did it where like, you know, I'm going I'm to quote the article here. On High Fidelity, they dissect Billy Joel's Just the Way You Are, rearranging it into a creature at once completely new and hinting at some innate connection that can't be denied, no matter how much Joel's syllables get split apart. While acts like the Hood Internet and Girl Talk looked at the act of sampling and made bold new leaps into reinterpretation, Daft Punk had turned Joel's words into their own unique language all the way back in the mid-90s. So, you have to remember this came out in 1997. And that makes me wonder, is because that's very common now in, in heavily sampled and, you know, spliced up music. You know, you, you, you take words from a sample and, and dissect words up into the syllables and just rearrange them around. Yeah. And that's cool. I wonder. I wonder if I. I, I yeah. I, I. I guess I didn't realize that maybe they were actually one of the first to do that. You know, back in the nineties. Right. That's cool. Well, you know, and the the point that this article tries to make over and over again is that like these guys were, like I said, students of electronic music, and they took the past and essentially set it up for the explosion of electronic music in the next two decades right oh yeah electronic music just wasn't as popular as it is now it's almost like it's everywhere now you know that's the you know almost the preferred genre of of the the generation after ours you know and daft punk really was the you know they laid the groundwork for all of that with the with the with the massive stage setup and and the way that they had their you know you've seen videos of of their live performances back then like that that is the template for like the the massive EDM music festivals that you see nowadays, you know. Yeah, and that's what like 20 23 years ago. 1997. I mean, it's crazy. Uh anyway, um so yeah, and and I also just wanted to talk about again, like it's always amazing to me, especially when you like if you didn't know that that was a Billy Joel sample, do you think you would have caught that that was that song? I would have, I would have thought Billy Joel or McCartney just because of the the voice. Yeah. If you know how Billy Joel sounds, it's there's no question that's Billy Joel singing. Yeah, and uh, it, it, but it yeah, would, I would I would not have known that that was just the way you are. Yeah, exactly, and that's the that's the point. It's like you know, like this guy was saying, the way that they are chopping it up, but still retaining some of it. You know what I mean? And and turning yeah. it into and its now, own if language. I was like an uber Billy Joel fan, I probably would have known. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like if I was a, a major fan, right. Like a mega nerd fan. Yeah, exactly. So we talked about this on our our sidetrack for for the uh, the Tyco, not the Tyco, for the Tosca episode that we did on Suzuki. You remember we did mm-hmm. the Pat yeah the Pat Metheny sidetrack and how we yeah. were like, especially because it was like a two second or three or four second guitar line that they looped you know what i mean yeah and how it just you know it, it's crazy to think about like what how did they like what made them what chain of events happened to where they were listening to records stumbled upon a pat Matheny record you know what i mean like a jazz guitar right. player 
Well, here's my guess with all of these guys. They're probably just big fans of these artists. I've, I've tinkered around with, with making remixes. And, you know, I started out with, with a Sade song because I'm a huge Sade fan. So, you know, they probably just, they're probably just fans of Billy Joel. They probably love The Stranger. And that's exactly the point. That's how two 22-year-olds can put out a record like this. And I've only played you one song. But they were bringing in all of these different influences. So anyway, they were doing, I, I, you know what? Some might say they were doing their homework. Exactly. Like you. And you know what? That ties in perfectly and perfectly to the next track that we're going to play. It's called Teachers. I see what you did there. Homework. Teachers. <laughs> now, this song is literally a list of names and artists that are influences on them. And you'll see what I mean when you, when you hit play. So you mean... Their teachers. Exactly. It's a list of their teachers. So keep in mind when you hear this, every single name that you hear mentioned in this song is unique. They're not repeating any names. And then see if you can pick up on anything. But it's pretty straightforward. It's literally just a list. It's dozens of artists that they see as influences and they turn that into a song. So here we go. This is called Teachers.
What I like about this song is that they're not, they're putting it out, all of it out on Front Street. You know what I mean? Like, hey, like we're we're paying homage to all of these people that came before us. This is, is what straight. That is straight up hip hop, dude. Exactly. That's hip hop. Well, that they 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 mentioned Dre, like you said. They also mentioned George Clinton, who is I looked it up because I know I recognize the name. He's of yeah, the par- Parliament. Yeah, par- Funkadelic. Par- Parliament Funkadelic. Right. So, and that that definitely informed that they incorporate a lot of hip hop beats and stuff into their music. And again, like I feel like I'm not not able to do this this record justice because there's so many tracks on here and they're all very different and i'm only playing three out of 16 but the next track here q if you if you've been if you've been you know ho-hum about this so far get ready now you're gonna have to be okay with a, a, a about a two minute stretch of of, of build up but this song is all about build up okay i get it dude and you know what i haven't been ho-humming okay i I understand okay. that you know this is a, a a dance record, and I understand how it goes. It's a dance and record, and these tracks repetitive. these tracks are not you know the radio edits, if you will, right? And, you know, I, I appreciate this for what it is. So, to to wrap up the commentary on teachers, the song we just played. What I like about it is how many times do you listen to a rock band, and you think, man, I wonder who their influences were. Like, here's a list of thirty plus influences on daft punk they're not trying to hide it you know what i mean and i appreciate that yeah all right so q this last track that we're going to play today again talking about how daft punk was a massive influence on the explosion of electronic music that would happen in the next two decades this track is called rolling and scratching and uh, let me let me just read from this article here from Consequence of Sound, because I think he lays it out perfectly. In a world where waiting for the drop has become the national pastime and industrial adjacent synth scrapes are just a part of everyday parlance, Roland and Scratchin shows you exactly how far ahead of their time Daft Punk were. So the drop, everybody knows the bass drop, right? Oh, yeah. Like dubstep, it's all about it. There's about three drops in this track, and we're gonna have to listen to all of them. So strap in. But it is important to remember, like I said earlier, 1997, electronic music was not was was not what it is today, and Daft Punk was essentially laying like like making the blueprint. Like here you go, Skrillex. Here's how you do it. And I think I think this song is gonna sound a little bit more. Um, modern or ahead of its time than some of the other two tracks I played. So here we go. This is called Rollin' and Scratchin'.
All right, so there's the first drop. Barely a drop, right? But, you know, it, it's all about, and it wasn't even really too much of a drop at all. But the point being, it's a buildup. And then there's that pause, right, where the drumming is removed. And it's this long, you don't know how long it's going to last, but it's this buildup of anticipation because you know that, that, that it's coming back, right? That song must have been crazy. Uh, yeah, imagine being at a club. Exactly. I don't think the the massive outdoor festival for electronic music was was necessarily happening in the, in 97. I don't know if it had gotten to that point yet because like the guy in this article pointed out so perfectly, it's become a national pastime almost, the drop, you know, at 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 the festival. Anyway, yeah. um let's keep playing and then we'll let it play out. Um the song and what I like about this song is that the intensity continues to build. This song is a lot more aggressive than the other two I played, right? I mean, Teachers yeah, was totally. kind of just a not so much of a song other than, you know, them paying homage to their influences, right? But this song, um, you hear that sort of like uh drill sound, right? Like the drilling kind of more more industrial sound. Um yep. the, you know. Again, they have so many different influences, like I pointed out. You hear a bunch of different genres in this on this album and this is one of them you know that that sort of paved the way for dubstep so anyway let's let's keep it going uh, and we'll we'll close it out
Yeah, man, that's a just a perfectly executed, you know, dance song. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's you know, it's all about getting in a trance. You know, when you're when you're listening to this kind of when you know if you're going to a a festival to get lost in dance music, you know, this is this is perfect, man. Yeah, it's it's just it just it just keeps going, you know, and and it's just so subtle, like the changes. Right, and when they bring and when they keep bringing it back, right, when there's the the lull, and then they bring it back. The intensity yeah. builds every time it gets brought back, which just you know enhances the the moment even more. Yeah, like, you know because yeah. that's what you're waiting for. You're waiting for it to come back. That's what you want. Like that's a successful dance song, and like as far as this is concerned, you know it doesn't always happen with dance songs. It happens with down tempo songs. It happens with all sorts of electronic music where yeah. whatever it's take something's taken away and then it's brought back and. That's what you're waiting for. You, like you wanted to get brought brought back, or you wanted to come back. Like there's there's been moments where I I'm hearing a song for the first time from an electronic artist or something like that, and they take something away, and I'm waiting for it to to come back, and they never bring it back, and it's so like dissatisfying. But, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like yeah. okay, here it comes. It's gonna be great when they bring it back, and this is gonna be a great <laughs> song, and then they don't do it. And it's like okay, well. Good on you for, you know, subverting my expectations, but like some things you just need to, you just need to follow the formula, you know? Anyway, um, again, I can't stress this enough that this was 1997 and maybe, maybe this is not a big deal, but from what I've read, this was pretty groundbreaking and amazingly influential. And Daft Punk goes on to be, to to win a, a Grammy for Random Access Memories, right? They go on God, to that's such a good album, right? Right, and and I what I love about Random Access Memories is all the people that collaborated with them on that record. Oh it's yeah, it's some of their some of their heroes, right? It's uh was was yeah for obviously Pharrell Williams, but you know Niall Rogers, J- Julian Casablancas is on there. Pa- Panda Bear shows up. Right. I love doing it right. That's one of my favorite songs on Random Access Memories. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, you know. They also scored the Tron Legacy soundtrack. That was a great soundtrack. And oh, yeah. I don't, I can't, I don't know if this is true or not, but to me, I, I'm i seeing more and more, like I I listen to a lot of movie soundtracks, a lot of video game soundtracks. There's a lot of electronic producers that are making movie scores nowadays. And I, I don't know if they were, they weren't, obviously they weren't among the first, but I'm just saying they may be one of the first really like, pop popular artist to, to, to kind of do that. Right. I mean, obviously you go back to like, we were, when we were talking about the eighties soundtracks that were hugely influential on synthwave, th- those were all electronic soundtracks, but it wasn't a electronic super popular duo that was doing it. Right. It was John Carpenter scoring right. his own films. Right. So anyway, um, yeah, I do remember getting like just, being super pumped when I heard that they were they were going to be doing the side the soundtrack for that and it's like, an amazing soundtrack it's great yeah yeah it's awesome so anyway like like that knowing that kind of 
it added to the excitement for the the Tron reboot, you know. And it's the perfect marriage. I mean, you remember they were oh, even yeah. they were even in the film. You remember they were in that club. Yeah, they're DJing. Exactly. Anyway, uh Q, you and I we talked about this a little bit. We've been doing electronic episodes, electronic music the last few episodes, and we wanted to make sure that we did a more proper quote unquote electronic artist and album. And this is like the perfect like Daft Punk is the quintessential electronic group, right? Arguably the most popular of all time. I think so. And still and still relevant. You know what I mean? People are gonna listen. If Daft Punk puts out a new album, it, everybody's gonna be talking about it, right? The yeah. last one they put out is the one that won the Grammy. So anyway, um next week for our sidetrack, we're gonna talk about um Thomas we're going to do – basically, we're going to keep it – this is going to be more more true to to the old approach that we used to take on, on sidetracks. Uh, and we're going to talk about another film that one of the two guys scored. Thomas – or Tomas scored a film called Irreversible. And I feel like we've referenced one of the tracks off of that record once. Yeah. The one that makes you really feel uneasy, like you got to – you know, like you're about to – lose your lunch you know when you hear <laughs> yeah. it we're not gonna play that song that song is called rectum listen at your own risk um but anyway we're gonna talk about a couple of tracks a couple of really solid electronic tracks off of that off of that record and then we'll be done with electronic music and let's start what you heard real quick and then we can talk about if you want q i sort of teased this in my intro to the taiko episode about what our plans are for future episodes so we can uh, let's tease it in the sidetrack okay so i'm gonna make you wait another week if you're wondering to spill all the beans all right anyway we got plans in the future so for for how to how to i don't know we'll talk about it later don't worry about it don't worry about it <laughs> <laughs> all right so what's your heard time q uh i'm gonna let you go first oh i, I see i'm looking at your screen here q uh-huh. Get, get, guess who my wife and I are going to go see on Wednesday of this week? Are you going to go see Yippa? We're going to go see the artist that you're about to play in two days. He puts on a great show. It's going to be, it's basically, it's Yippa and um, Little People. Oh, dude, he they, they tour together all the time. Well, there you go. They're touring together again. They're always playing together. Um, yeah, Yippa is one of my favorite electronic artists from the last decade. Uh, he just dropped a new album earlier this month, or I guess February, depending on when you listen to this. Um, so it's safe to say that I'm going to be hearing this live in a couple of days. This, oh yeah, this track. dude! I mean, I can't. I'm so excited for you, man. I'm I'm glad because um, I saw him. It was after his album Tiny Paws came out, so it was around 2015. Uh, one of my favorite songs. From the last decade, Bushmills is on Tiny Paws. Um, and dude, I, I just I hope he's touring with the same drummer that I saw him with. Uh, just a phenomenal drummer. Really, really great show, dude. I'm pumped for you. So this album is called Sunset in the Deep End. It's his latest record. It's just more of Yippa doing what he does best. So, you know, if, if you're a Yippa fan, you're going to love this album just as much as the last three or four that he released. Um, this is track two off the record. It's called Light Cycle.
Yeah, man. Um, that'll be a good show for sure. So I was just thinking like, you know, cause I'm, I'm anticipating the concert that I'm about to see. Yeah. What I like about, and what, what, what I love about electronic music is, is just how, you know, you go to a rock show, it's loud, depending on the band, obviously, you know, it's loud. There's some aggression sometimes, right? Again, depending on their, their artist. But when you go see an electronic artist, especially like this kind of music, the people that are there and like the the experience that you're going to have is it's it's almost more like a passive almost, right? Like that's going to be a laid back show and I can't wait for that. Yeah, this kind of music is it's like going to a museum and, uh, you know, admiring fine art. Yeah, like you're, sure. you're there to you're there to appreciate what they're doing live. I mean, of course, you're there. Yeah. You know, that's how it is at a rock show, too. But you're there. Yes. Yes. You go to a rock show to fucking rock out. Yes. You're you there. Yeah, exactly. Like this to experience, you know, a moment with with this artist. It's just. Yeah. It's just him and his keyboard and his guitar. Or I think he plays bass. He might have a drummer. He may not. I don't know how it's going to be this time around. But yeah, dude. And it's not like it's not like when you go to a rock concert, you're not there to experience a moment with the band. You're there to sure. do that too, obviously. But like you said, it's it's two different worlds of, of music, right? Two very different worlds. Yeah. But it's nice to it's nice to see to 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 go experience music like this. And yeah, I've only been to a handful of what I would call actual electronic, proper electronic musicians like this. And it's always, it's always great. It's always a, such a different vibe. I've been to so many rock shows in my life. It's always great, dude. It's a different always vibe and, I, and I always love it. Yeah. All right. Anyway. So um, speaking of rock, we're going to do some rock here. This artist, and this is why you always got to have your Shazam ready to go. Q. You got to have it ready or have subtitles turned on like me. Because uh, well, So basically here's the story. If you're, I mean, I know you're excited to hear this. I was watching the first episode of a Netflix show called Lock and Key. Never won't be on the first episode because it, it wasn't that compelling. Anyway, there's a scene where they're driving to this house. And that's all you need to know. And there's a song that the teenager in the back seat is listening to in her earphones. Mm, and it's, nice. it's a Cherry Glazer song. Actually, I've heard a new record. So I was like, okay, I'm intrigued enough. Let me hear what else this this uh, artist is putting out. So I went back to her, her first record. And just for the record, Cherry Glazer is not the name of the artist. That is the name of the band. Um, so I went and listened to her record called Apocalyptic because the album art intrigued me. It's um, incredible. Yeah, it's awesome. And I love the name, just everything about it. Apocalyptic, right? Amazing. So anyway, this record, man, I'm really impressed with this record. I've listened to it all the way through a couple times now, and it is a great sort of homage or continuation of like the post-punk stuff that was happening in the early 2000s, like, like the Strokes, like, like Interpol, but you know, it's obviously modernized, right? It's modern. It's, it's the next evolution of it almost. And there's so many different sounds on this record. Um, the, the the very last track is straight up a doom a doom rock sound, doom metal, which is we've talked about that quite a bit. So anyway, I, I love I love hearing that that kind of stuff. I love hearing a, a wide range of rock and metal influences on on a new record from a relatively young artist. You know, I think she was like 
super young when when she put this record out. But anyway, we're going to play a song off of her record. Came out in 2017, Apocalyptic, called Moon Dust. It's just a great song. I love it, man. It kind of so reminds good. me of the Pack AD, or like maybe some, maybe like some some Taco Cat vibes. Good stuff. Yeah. So, um, like I was saying, right? It's got a lot of different a lot of different genres throughout the record, but it's an indie rock song, right? Right in line with with the stuff that was like our heyday of music in the early two thousands, right? So much so that it was even produced by a, a man named Joe Ciccarelli, who produced both the Strokes and the White Stripes back in their day. Nice. So there you go. Um, here's a quote from The Guardian. Now, this is in reference to the lead single off the record, which is called I Told You I'd Be With The Guys, which is the opening track. But I think it applies to the whole record. It says that, he says, it is a tremendous indie rock tune powerful enough to restore your faith in the genre. I would say that's true for the track we just played. And yeah. I would say that's true for the, for the entire record. And, and it's, it's a no filler. It's a no filler record, dude. You can hit play and just it, everything is seamless 
from track to track. Sweet. And it ends with straight up doom metal, dude. And I love that. That's, shit. that's amazing. And it's All not, right. it's not like heavy metal. It's not metal, but it's, it's very much doom. Um, slower. It sounds like, it sounds like it could be on a doom record. That's all I'm saying. Cool. Anyway. Cool. Uh, so that was cherry glazer. Um, that was, that was the record apocalyptic came out in 2017. That track was called moon dust. And we're going to wrap this episode up, Q. Uh, that was Daft Punk that we talked about. Talked about their first record, Homework. Um, and I don't think I've, I don't think I did it justice because you can't do it justice in three songs. So I'd highly recommend, if you're a fan of Daft Punk, if you know the singles that everybody knows, like Around the World, which is off this record. Such uh, a good song. Yeah. That's, that song's still, I mean, that's a timeless song. That that came out on that record, man. So that's what I'm saying. Like they were writing, they were already, they were already on top of their, their game as far as like what they were doing. They knew exactly what they were yeah. doing. They knew they were from the beginning almost. Yeah. So anyway, if you, if you are familiar with the singles, but don't really, haven't really gone too much further than that, go back and listen to homework. Just hit play again. It's, it's a no filler record. Um, and just, uh, yeah, just just keep in mind that that, that 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 was their first record and that they were 22. And, you know, that's all you need to know. Anyway, so um, like I said, next week we're going to do a, a little sidetrack episode on the Irreversible soundtrack that was scored by Tomas Bangalter of Daft Punk. And that's going to wrap up our electronic episode marathon that we've been doing. And then we're going to we're going to get back right back into into rock and roll queue, most likely. But we'll tell you more about what's coming on the next episode. In the meantime, check us out on the Pantheon Podcast Network. That's pantheonpodcast.com. Or you can head over to nofillerpodcast.com. We can find all of our show notes for every episode, which include track lists and any articles that we reference. And that's that. Q, what you got for our closing track here? I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't leave us hanging without playing an LCD sound system song from their first record. It's, I think, maybe their first single. It's called "Daft Punk Is Playing at My House," and it's an awesome song. Have you heard it? Maybe not, dude. Maybe not. It's, it's great. Perfect way to close the record out, or. Cl- Dude, you know what's funny? You and I, we we, we do that all the time. We the, the word record and episode and album, all three of those are inter- interchangeable at this point for some reason. <laughs> for some reason, probably because our episodes are about a specific album, so it's almost like they're one and the same. Anyway, uh, to close out this episode, that's a that's a good one. Yeah, and this is a song uh, that came out in two thousand five, or this was released as a single in two thousand five. Again, it's from LCD Sound Systems debut self-titled this song is called daft punk is playing at my house and that's going to do it for us today thank you as always for listening my name is quentin my name is travis y'all take care Show you the ropes. I got a bus and a trailer at my house. My house. I'll show you the ropes, kid.
show you the ropes. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.